Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, I want to talk about something that's been driving me crazy in my own life. How many companies are turning their supposed loyalty programs into nothing burgers of devaluation? What they're doing is they're playing us. They're luring us in. They're getting our loyalty, and then those rewards, they're ripping them away from us. So I want to tell you how to play the loyalty game the smart way. And later, so for five years, five years, I've been lying to you. That's right. I've been lying to you. Because I've been telling you for five years, any day now, you're going to be able to buy hearing aids at world prices instead of the cartel prices we alone in the entire world have had. Five years later, it's finally true. It's happened. It's real. And it only took five additional years because of how dirty Washington money plays And how the cartel, the U.S. hearing aid cartel, bottled up your ability to buy affordable hearing aids. But they are here now. And I want to talk about that with you later in this podcast. Okay. So, Chris, I'm going to bring you in now. Because you lived in New England a long time. Mm -hmm. And... There's kind of a joke when you're in New England that you can stand on a corner in any city in New England and you can look straight ahead, you'll see a Dunkin' Donuts. You can look to your left, you'll see a Dunkin' Donuts. You can look to your right, you'll see a Dunkin' Donuts. You can turn your head around, you'll see another Dunkin' Donuts. Mm -hmm. And when you left New England, you came with your Dunkin' Donuts habit. Which, interestingly enough, is about what? Coffee. Right. (laughs) Because Dunkin' Donuts originally was about donuts that, uh, I'm a Southerner, so I just don't get the Dunkin' Donut kind of donut because it doesn't have enough sugar in it and enough fat and enough gooey stuff on it and all that. I mean, I'm, I'm into the really, really unhealthy for you donuts. But it's not that's not the business they've been in for a long time. They're they're into a more affordable cup than Starbucks or someone like that. So do you you don't do the Dunkin' thing anymore for no, coffee? My husband you? likes Dunkin' coffee a lot, but I rarely get it. I usually just make my coffee at home now, honestly. And then I do love an Americano from Starbucks as a treat. So was your husband in the Dunkin' Donuts loyalty program? Um, No, I don't think so. He was never in it? No, because he doesn't go enough. Because Dunkin' Donuts people were fierce, fiercely loyal with birthday deals, you know, free something on your birthday and uh, a point system that people just loved. And Dunkin' just devalued the program and you would think that they had become Satan with their most loyal people. I mean, people have gone crazy online just bashing them. And obviously, when you devalue your program, you need to do it more like the underhanded, ugly way the airlines have done it, 
And by the way, Delta just went through another devaluation of their program too recently. Uh, What the airlines did was they just eliminated their charts. And the miles are all variable when you try to redeem something. And what it takes to get status of different levels, that's a moving target every year. What Duncan did was honest. They were like, yeah, this program's too generous to our very loyal people, so we're going to be stingy moving forward. Now the program is basically a disloyalty program instead of a loyalty program. This is what's going on with loyalty programs throughout the industry. Hilton, people that are into the Hilton program, if you're not aware, they just did a devaluation that is diabolical. So listen what Hilton did. Do you know this? Because you're Hilton, right? I am. What level Hilton are you? Just like gold or whatever comes with my credit card. Okay. Not a Hilton credit card. I have another one that gives me All right. So there's the Hilton diamond and the golden. So... When you get to the front desk, you're eligible for free room upgrades. Do yes. you ever get that? Uh, if I ask for it. But, she, but if you ask for it, they do give it to you? It depends. 50-50, I would say. Okay. So Hilton now, supposedly you're eligible for free upgrades. And if you're diamond status, you get these free upgrades. And it's all about building branding loyalty. Well, now they, instead of giving you the free upgrade... They're trying to sell it to you when you check in. So because of your loyalty to Hilton, as a blah, blah, blah level person, we will sell you a more expensive room. And it's like, where's the loyalty in that? And so people who jumped through all the hoops and stayed all the nights and got the Hilton credit card and all that, who looked forward to all the upgrade privileges Now they're going to instead try to sell what you got before for free. And this is what's happening because travel in particular has been intensely strong lately. And so loyalty programs giveth and then they taketh away. So when bookings are really strong, when revenue is really strong, average room night at hotels has gone way up, they take away privileges from you. Airlines take away privileges because bookings have been intensely strong, both leisure and for the first time since COVID, business bookings are getting stronger again. So that's why the reward programs are a Pavlov's dog kind of thing. They're not showing any loyalty to us. They're using the loyalty program to manipulate us. So as I've said before with airline and hotel points, Do not think it's some victory to look at your statement and see a zillion points or a zillion miles because I can guarantee you those will devalue over time. Ask anybody who's a Marriott person what Marriott has done to them with Bonvoy and what Marriott keeps taking away and keeps making the redemptions harder and harder for free nights. So know this is how it's playing and I want you to be aware that when you've got points that'll get you what you want, use them because they don't get better with time. And as for Duncan, at least Duncan was above board with it, but they overplayed their hand. It's when corporations have group think and group speak, and they don't really think about how it's going to play 
when it's just imposed on their most loyal people. Well, Kevin in Tennessee has a related question. My son and daughter-in-law are moving to Anchorage, Alaska next year. We live in Nashville and have made good use of the Southwest points we get from the credit card. But Southwest doesn't fly to Alaska. We only have one credit card, and I know you recommend having two. What advice would you give us for adding a second card that would help with travel to Alaska? (sighs) This one's really tough because to tell you to sign up for a card from one of the loyalty programs, which you're really looking at, I don't know if Alaska flies to Nashville. Can you look up and see if Alaska Airlines flies to Nashville? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if Alaska flew to Nashville, the smart move would be to get Alaska's card when they've got a nice sign-up bonus and earn points on Alaska Airlines. Their frequent flyer program is more generous than the ones from American United and Delta. Do they fly? They do. They do fly to Nashville. So I would do the Alaska Airlines card, especially when there is like, normally we give you a sign-up bonus, these many points. And right now, if you sign up, you get these many points. That's when you would do it. That would be the best move you could do to complement how you have earned points within the lower 48 to use on Southwest. Uh, Using American United and Delta, their programs are so not rewarding for a trip like to Alaska that I would not jump on that one. Uh, You could do a general airline card, though, as well. You could do one that you get a big sign-up bonus for, and we've got a guide to the general mileage cards, and then you're a free agent. Because uh, let's say I get you to get the Alaska card and then they decide Nashville doesn't fit in their plans anymore and you accumulated those points and you can't even fly them anymore. So a general airline card would be the second best and maybe even safer alternative to getting the Alaska Airlines card. And then whoever you can get the best deal on is who you redeem and you would have the choice of multiple airlines to get from Nashville to Alaska. I love the Chase Sapphire card. You can get the regular Sapphire or the preserve, the reserve one that's more expensive, depending on if you would use, mine pays back for itself with the, the yearly. The $95 one? Uh, I have the more expensive one. You have one, the, but the 550 90, Yeah, but it actually pays back because you get travel credit every year. I make sure that I use all the perks so it's free. Um, but you can redeem for travel on any airline, like through and their you portal. Twenty percent, twenty-five percent, twenty-five percent of the points. percent of the points back. Okay, so so, so that is because that's like a a discount. Uh, you find a lower fare, you use the points, you get back a twenty-five percent discount on that fare. But you've got the huge annual fee at $550. But the $95 one has a sign-up bonus right now that our website's highlighting. It's 60,000 bonus points. So that's, you know, that's something to just look at. Uh, this question is from Sarah in California. I know you love to visit the beautiful state of Hawaii as much as I do. Recently, I read an article that the Hawaii state governor's pay, on the Hawaii state governor's page saying that in 2023, the state would no longer recognize out-of-state driver's licenses. Drivers who do not possess a Hawaii state license will have to take driving tests at the airport and pay fees in order to get a permit. Can they do this? I can't imagine what they're thinking to require something like this. This is a urban legend, isn't it's it? It's fake, yeah. It's yeah, a fake this, is, this is fake. So 
Um, there are a lot of fake stories that have circulated about driver's licenses that all originated out of the 9-11 statutes, like for the, the real ID or true ID thing, where you got the star typically in the corner of your license. And that's led to all these urban legends. And this one about Hawaii not accepting licenses is phony. Stephen Texas says you mentioned ACH versus electronic bill pay and that ACH was bad, electronic bill pay was good. In the link provided on the, in the podcast, you mentioned the problem with automatic payments and seem to group this in with ACH. I pay bills online by providing my checking account number and paying that bill. I don't have anything on automatic payment. Am I using ACH? And if so, what is bad about it since I don't ever have anything on automatic pay? Okay, so here's the ACH thing. I think pretty much today, it's very common people use automated clearinghouse. The problem is the Congress has never established consumer protections with ACH. ACH is a private organization and the rules they have written are to benefit the banks and others that take your payments through the ACH clearinghouse. So the problem comes up and we've seen it over and over again with automated continuing payments with ACH for things like fitness centers or anything else where it is something you may sign up for a period of time, but when you're done, they keep debiting your money. We've had this with cable companies. We've had this with gyms more than anything else. So the greatest risk with the ACH system, because of the lack of built-in federal legal protections, is that you're dealing with administrative rules written to your harm, not to your benefit by the industry and with automated payments, the risk exists. Another example we've had, not in recent years, thank goodness, knock on Formica or whatever this is, is that we used to get problems where someone has paid off a mortgage or sold their house, and the mortgage company keeps ACHing the mortgage payment. I cannot remember the last time we had that problem, so the industry seems to have cleaned that up. But the risk is that somebody takes your money at an organization and maybe one that has had historical ethical problems like cable or a gym and then getting your money back from them after they've gone in and stolen it from your account is very difficult to do administratively. Electronically setting up where you make sure you never miss a credit card payment and doing that through ACH is a practice that I advise for people who tend to be a little flaky or travel a lot or whatever and might forget to make a minimum payment on a credit card because of how that can devastate your credit score for seven years. Understanding that when you set up that automatic, you are giving up rights under this administrative ACH procedure. So I know that's a lot of gobbledygook, but that's why I like electronic bill pay where you are controlling the transactions at your own bank or credit union and you're sending in or if you do it through a brokerage you're choosing who you send you're choosing what you send and you're choosing if it's automatic or manual where ACH once you've set that up you have now given them permission to come in and grab money whenever however 
they want and then fight to get your own money back. So coming up ahead, I notice how many people when I'm on an airplane are listening to music so loud with the ear things of all different types that I'm just wondering what age they're not going to hear anymore. Do you ever hear that where over the drone of the airplane, you can still hear somebody's music? Yeah, I can hear it from my son, like across the oh, room. Oh, your son does that too. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have, um, we're going to have an increase in the number of people with hearing loss in America. The good news is you can now deal with hearing loss at a discount. So as I mentioned earlier, for five years, I've been talking about affordable hearing aids being just around the corner. And now it's happened. They're here. Took much longer than it should have. And it's only going to get better from here because our hearing aid costs in the United States instantly have dropped from when it became legal for retailers to sell hearing aids that now buying even very high quality hearing aids is now under $1,000 for a set of two. And we're going to have a divided market. We're going to have hearing aids from very well-known brand name companies. Bose was ready for this. They've launched a big line of hearing aids. Theirs are at the expensive end of this, somewhere like $899, $999, that kind of thing for a set of hearing aids. There are some off-brands already in the market that start at $149 for a pair of hearing aids and everything in between. But the thing is, nobody's above a grand. And that's where this is going. Best Buy is opening hundreds of hearing aid centers inside their stores around the country. These are FDA-approved traditional real hearing aids. And historically in the United States, as I've shared with you for years, our prices have been by far the world's most expensive. The devices that are being sold will be like any other hearing aid you've seen of all the different shapes and sizes and all that. The prices are a fraction of what they were even just a couple of weeks ago. These are for people of modest to moderate hearing loss, not for people who have a severe medical condition, a progressive medical condition leading to continuing hearing loss. And all these are designed to be controlled by your smartphone and automatically make sure that the hearing aid will not in any way damage your hearing. It will only improve your ability to hear. So if you are one of the millions of people who didn't get hearing aids because they weren't comfortable or they were too expensive, The marketplace has now solved both problems, and it will only improve from here. Walmart is selling these very affordable hearing aids. It's going to be routine. You could go in a CVS, a Walgreens, almost any retail kind of environment, particularly any electronics kind of environment, they will be selling hearing aids. And at some point, Apple will introduce hearing aids, and that will help popularize them, particularly with people who have suffered hearing loss at a younger age, will be comfortable wearing what Apple will put in the marketplace. And we have some basic briefing information at Clark.com about this fantastic thing that's happened in the United States, way overdue. 
All right, we'll go to some questions. This is from Evelyn in New York. What do you know about Aspiration? They promised 3% back on debit card purchases, but it sounds a bit like a bank to me, and that makes me very suspicious. Would you please give us your opinion? So we have a review of the Aspiration program at Clark.com, and it walks through how this works, and it is a fintech. It is not a traditional bank. So... Aspiration is something you're going to have to pay money for to be part of. It's about 70 some odd dollars a year to be in it. And you'll earn good money on your savings, but you've got, you've got to commit to them. They commit to you. The design of it is to make sure your money is FDIC insured. You have access to a network of ATMs. It is something you really need to read and understand how it works. You get not a good return on your money at all if you don't spend a lot of money. In order to get the 3%, you've got to be spending at least $1,000 a month on the card up to $10,000. So it's in this collar. Minimum $1,000, maximum $10,000 earns you the 3%. Just know a lot of hoops to jump through, a financial commitment from you, and go read our review at Clark.com. Eric in Wisconsin says, Hi Clark, work is offering critical illness insurance for the first time this year. If enrolled in the initial offering, there are no health questions. I was diagnosed with Parkinson's about four years ago, and I'm now in my 40s. So far, I'm managing without much effect on my work. How does this insurance work? Does it make sense for anyone? And for me, given the Parkinson's diagnosis, how and when does it pay out? So the thing with any policy like critical illness insurance is it's all in the contract language and what the contract will pay for. In a case where something is offered as an employer benefit free of medical underwriting, and you have a diagnosis of Parkinson's, this is a real opportunity potentially for you to provide financial underpinning in your life. Also, if your employer offers the ability for you to buy long-term disability free of a medical exam, knowing you already have Parkinson's, and I'm sorry about that, and I hope you're getting excellent medical care for it, please, that's very important for you to sign up for the long-term disability maximum benefit you're allowed to buy, which hopefully will be 70% of your current pay level. Read the terms and conditions, though, of how the critical illness insurance works and how it pays and in what circumstances it will pay. But odds are, This kind of coverage is something you would not be able to buy on your own, and it is a great advantage to you working for a large employer who offers this kind of benefit without normal medical underwriting standards. But you got to read what it actually covers and what it excludes. Jeff in New York says, when 2023 begins, I'll have $20,000 in I-bonds that reach their one-year maturity. I have no plans to sell them, but I'd like to factor them toward my emergency fund so I can invest other cash. How long does it take to get the cash from these? I've had a 12-month emergency fund for decades and have never used it, so I want to park that money somewhere better than my savings account. 
So there's administrative time involved. The savings bonds people have had trouble both executing orders and redemptions of late because the demand has been so much larger than normal. It's outstripped their ability to handle. That's why at our off-air team, the Team Clark Consumer Action Center, we've had so many complaints from people. They've had trouble even being able to buy Series I savings bonds. So I would not skate too thin on ice. I'd have some amount of money still available in your rainy day fund in a traditional savings account, earning a puny right now, like 2.5% or so, rather than committing all your money to I-bonds because of the time it will take to turn around access to the funds. The historical answer is you'd have your money in a week or so. I can't say that right now, and I wouldn't be comfortable with you emptying your savings account in its entirety and sweating it out till the government gets around to giving you your money back. The I-bonds thing, though, has been quite a gift at a time of tremendous inflation. And I want to thank you so much for listening today. I hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, we are here to serve you around the clock at Clark.com and with the best deals of the day and the hour at ClarkDeals.com.